Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman and Connect My Tech. Now, when it comes to navigation and dash cams, there's a brand that I trust, and it's exactly Navman. Now, I've used their products time and time again. There is one in both cars that sit in the garage. There is one every time I take a road trip. In fact, I've taken them on long road trips, most recently a two and a half thousand kilometer road trip all the way up to far north Queensland, just to make sure that every time I talk to you about Navman products that I know exactly what they're like and what I'm putting into your hands. And it's been interesting. We did a giveaway about last week or so, and I've started to receive feedback from those winners that they've received them and they're starting to get them up and running. And nothing makes me happier knowing that we've given away a good product, a product that I know they're going to enjoy using and that could save their bacon on the road. Because the reason that people should have a dash cam isn't so that you can just replay your road trip to North Queensland. It's so that if something happens while you're on the road, you're recording everything that happens in front of you and hopefully even everything that happens behind you with that rear camera as well. All of the data around what speed you were doing, the exact location, even the G-force impact, if something does happen, is all recorded. And what's even better is that when you do have an incident, when something does happen, or if the navman thinks that something has occurred, it saves that file and cannot be erased. Basically meaning that your storage card can maybe only stores one hour, two hours of video. But if something happens, it will clip that piece, you know, 30 seconds before, 30 seconds after, to make sure that that piece never gets overwritten. That way, if something happens and that dash cam is running and running and running, and maybe, heaven forbid, you've been taken away, but the dash cam is still on, it's never going to get overwritten, even if the rest of the footage does. That's why I really do trust the Navman range of dash cams and navigation units not because of their marketing spiel, but because I believe in the product from my own personal experience. Check out the entire range. Head to navman.com.au now. Rasembrasma Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are tuning in to the show. Thank you for tuning in to Technology Uncorked. This is the show where we talk about technology news, do product reviews, all over a glass of wine, sometimes coffee, sometimes beer, sometimes cocktails, depending on what's the flavor of the day. Now, today I have a glass of Cali Red. This is Snoop Dogg's wine. Well, it's the wine with Snoop Dogg's face on it. Uh, 19 Grimes has been providing a huge amount of different varieties out there. I love American Cabernet. And this is a bit of a blend, but it is, you know, all about California grape and grape varieties. And this red wine is just a very simple, easy to drink wine. I kind of enjoy it. And I don't feel bad in saying that it is a $15 bottle of wine. I'm looking at it now on Amazon Prime. And uh, yeah, 15 bucks. It's one of those perfect wines for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, anytime. It's just an easygoing bottle of red. Now, today on the show, we're going to talk about a bunch of tech news. I've got a little bit about Snapchat. A little bit about kissing in virtual reality. Yep. Uh, we're going to talk about hard drives as well, because I think it's an incredibly important topic we have to quickly touch on. We've got a giveaway, another giveaway, but this time it's from the folks at Connect My Tech. And stay tuned for how to enter that one. It's a very simple competition to enter, but it could have a really good return if you do. We're then going to go through the entire new range from LG. They've announced a whole new range of televisions and even soundbars, uh, which will hit the market. They're a little bit later in the year, I think, in terms of other t brands that have already released their range. But why not now? Let's talk about that. I'm going to talk about, guys, we're going to talk about an electric 
off-road motorbike that I've been riding and my oh my, I don't mind a cup of coffee because it gives me a bit of a kickstart in the morning, but riding an electric motorbike, that has sent me over the edge. That has been a wild experience. I can't wait to tell you a bit more about that. Now, first of all, let's get into Snapchat. Now, Snapchat, for those who don't know, has so many more uh, users, so many more, and there's millions more users than Twitter. We hear about Twitter so much in the news. Elon Musk is buying Twitter. The whole world collapses. But Snapchat's sitting over there quietly, sending and receiving images that disappear in videos. And we don't seem to get the same fanfare from them. Maybe it's because things don't live forever on Snapchat like they do potentially with Twitter. It's a very interesting dynamic. However, they've announced this week that they are going to be releasing a drone. Yeah, a drone. Um, So they're going to the hardware space. They've done it before with glasses, and it didn't quite work out so well. I think we ended up seeing them in vending machines. Even that didn't really pay off. But they're coming out with a drone, which I think is going to kill the whole idea. Remember the selfie stick? Remember people used to walk around? I remember seeing them in Sydney Harbour. People with their phones stuck into a selfie stick, extending that pole out, sticking it out in front of them. It was embarrassing. Embarrassing. And I thought it was silly and ugly. Um, But it did the job. The Snapchat drone is called the Pixie, and it is going to be a $250 drone. That's US. Uh, $250 drone that you can effectively hold in the palm of your hand, but then toss it out, and it might take a group shot. It might do a fly around video. It might follow you for a few minutes so that it can get that type of shot of you walking up a hill and doing a bit of a hike. Basically, it's going to help you create content without asking your boyfriend or girlfriend to take the picture for you. I've seen some insufferable images lately on Instagram where people that I know have recently gotten married and my God, their poor husband that they've just married has become a photographer. They didn't actually get married. They got hired. And it's appalling to see in some ways that literally they're on their honeymoon and every photo is just of the lady posing with the dress that she's wearing for that dinner. And I'm thinking, wow, what has he done? You just imagine walking to dinner and before they can even sit down, she's like, hang on, take a thousand photos and I'll pick the best one to share on Instagram. Anyway, they can actually just go and get one of these drones from Snapchat and that would be the whole problem solved for them. They could just have this drone fly around until its battery dies and then eventually pull the boyfriend back in. I'm excited by this. I do want to test it. I love the idea of using drones for photography. Um, I did it a lot during the floods with the DJI drone, especially on, on our property. Uh, what an amazing piece of technology just throw up in the sky and capture footage, whether it's photos or video, and a completely different perspective. But with this, you can just imagine that if you are somewhere that is, you do want to take a beautiful photo, you won't have that arm extended. You won't have anything like that. You'll actually get a really good shot, hopefully, on a small drone, especially if it is only 250 bucks. That could be a bit of a game changer. Now, speaking of which, speaking of game changers, this one's, this one's awkward. Now, we talk a lot about the metaverse and we talk a lot about living in VR, you know, putting on the headset, feeling like you're with people, you're looking at each other, and it might be so immersive that you're actually sitting next to each other in a virtual world, having a conversation, and it feels like you're actually there. I did this last year with HTC Vive, and I had a virtual experience on a beach in the Bahamas where myself and the managing director for HTC were standing around having a really good conversation um, where he was virtually appearing in front of me. Now, we were just characters, like looking like we characters effectively, but there we were having this conversation where we could even virtually shake hands. I could feel it in the hand controller when we did that. And that brings me to this story is that to really create a sense of feeling in virtual reality, while at the moment we hold 
you know, a left and right sort of joystick, which has, you know, haptic feedback and things like that. How do we bring sensation to other parts of the body? And what I mean by that is that there is a company that is looking at how we bring haptic feedback or the feeling of sensation to our mouth. If you're living in a virtual world, you might brush your teeth. You might pick up a toothbrush in a virtual world and want to brush your teeth. It's hypothetical. Stick with me. When you virtually pick up that toothbrush and you bring it to your teeth, it won't feel real unless you also have some sort of feeling on your mouth. This company is trying to create that. They're also trying to create other examples where um, a giant spider might be crawling across your face. You need to feel that to believe that that's actually happening. On the same token, what if you need to kiss somebody in virtual reality? So that's what this company is also working on, creating that feeling of any type of sensation that could happen on your lips, on your teeth, or even inside your mouth uh, through different types of technology. And this type of technology is not necessarily groundbreaking or completely um, untrue. It's also it's almost using speaker type technology to, to blow ambient waves to your face and hopefully replicating that feeling. Yes, it means that we may get to a point where people online date in a virtual world, but potentially also get their first kiss in a virtual world as well. What does that feel like? What will that be actually like when you're effectively standing by yourself in your room, you know, waving your hands around, you've got your VR headset on, and then you're leaning in for a kiss, but in reality, you're just standing in a room leaning forward, smooching the air. I mean, that's probably what kids did when they were growing up, pretending that they were kissing a model or a supermodel as people once dreamt maybe. But this could now be happening in virtual reality where people start to do this. Um, I'm married. I don't have to worry about this type of stuff. But then if I think about it further, when I'm traveling for work and I'm away overseas or something like that, I will always love a video call. I love to video call because it's nice to be able to see, um, to see, see my wife, see my kids and have that conversation. But I guess if I wanted, if I was meeting them in a virtual world while I was traveling overseas, then I could maybe see my kids and whatever. And then maybe that would be a nice thing to be able to, I don't know, give, give, the, give the kids a kiss goodnight or whatever it is. Maybe you could potentially still do that and have that feeling. So maybe it doesn't have to be creepy. Maybe I could look at it in a more positive way of what about when you're traveling? What about our troops? What about our troops who serve overseas? What if they could do that? Maybe even if it is 50% as good as the real thing or 20% as good as the real thing, maybe if, if you're deployed for six, 12 months at end, maybe you would, you would trade for that. Maybe, maybe this actually is a really good thing. The more I think about it, the more I talk it through, maybe being able to kiss in virtual reality would be a huge benefit to a lot of people. Let me know what you guys think. You can always reach me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, and, uh, and let me know what you think about that because you know it could be creepy. It could be absolutely amazing. Now, a recent, a recent discussion I had with um, a TV presenter, I won't mention who they are, but on a major network and has been in the business forever. Um, absolutely forever, has interviewed everybody's everybody, anybody's everybody. You know what I mean? Like literally has interviewed a lot of people. And, um, and I was talking to her about her phone and she told me that she's never backed it up. She has a Mac computer that she's looking to replace that she has never backed up. And I panic for people like that. And she said, I've got too much data. It's too hard. It will take too long. It's just not possible. 
And I say that because recently, uh, as of this week, it was the 4th of May, so May the 4th, it was Star Wars Day, Seagate sent me a beautiful box with Star Wars toys, figurines and stuff, but also a new range of Seagate hard drives. And the Seagate hard drives are Star Wars themed. And I thought, you know what, if companies start to brand hard drives in a way that make it marketable, then maybe more people will buy them, maybe more people will back up. Now, this lady, I don't think is a huge Star Wars fan. However, if she was, and I know that, you know, I say she's not a huge Star Wars fan, but I know she's interviewed the likes of Mark Hamill, um, Harrison Ford and others. Maybe she would actually back up if she could get something that she fell in love with. Maybe if um, Chanel made hard drives or had a co-brand with Seagate, maybe that would help get people across the line. We need people to back up more. I've heard too many sad stories of people who do not back up their, their data, and it could be because they think they've got too much. They think that the computer will never die. They think surely this will never happen to them, or they think that if it does crash, then IT will fix it. And it's such a sad reality, and I see it far too often. And I've seen so many people lose huge amounts of memories and data that you know they necessarily shouldn't have if they had just done a backup here and there. It can be scheduled. It can be automatic. It can be something that you do once every six months. I don't care. Just have a backup plan in place. Now, these ones from Seagate are pretty cool. Um, I got sent the Bubba Fett one, which is sick. It looks awesome. It's a two terabyte drive and dead set it would fit in my pocket. Um, two terabytes in your pocket these days is something that once upon a time would have been a dream come true. I remember, I think my first external hard drive was 128 gig and it was a beast. It was a beast that had its own power adapter plus the USB cord. You'd plug it in. It would literally boot up. You could hear things working in it as it started to turn on. Um, and it wasn't obviously an SSD drive, but this is, you know, we have gone so far when it comes to uh, the amount of capacity that we have on drives. When I think about that two terabyte drive, the Mac that I'm recording on at the moment, I think it's only got a 256 gig hard drive. I could literally back up an entire replica of this computer multiple times, or I could plug it into the Mac, do a full backup of what's on there, which isn't much, plug it into another computer, do a full backup of what's on there. You see my point here. I could effectively do so much more. And it's not just about what backing, what's backing up on your computer. It's also your smartphone. It's your tablet. It's other devices. And I just think it's absolutely critical. Keeping them in a safe place and you have got a backup that could be potentially a game changer. Now, after this, we will talk about uh, the collection of TVs. And I say a collection because there's a ton of them um, from LG that have been announced and that will be on sale very, very shortly, if not already. And an electronic motorbike that has probably taken years of my life, but is an extreme amount of fun as well. And we've said this before, but this show is brought to you by Connect My Tech. And while they do a huge amount of good for anybody who has ever contacted them and has ever worked with them, um, a recent story that I, I spoke to Patrick about was a customer who he was working with who was basically help, trying to get help around their internet service. And effectively, they were on, I believe it was ADSL or a wired internet, which was of a terrible poor performance. And it took a conversation for him to discover and let the customer know that actually there's a pretty good chance that she could get access to fixed wireless NBN, but had no idea about it, had no idea that that could have been possible. A couple of quick phone calls that Patrick made came back to the customer and started to help them get onto that path. Basically taking their internet speed, I think it was like one or two megabits down up to a comfortable 40 to 50 megabits. Now, you know, in the scheme of things, a lot of people would say, well, hang on a minute. That's not 100. Mate, I didn't get 100. But the reality is, is that 
What Connect My Tech does is really help people discover more from their internet, more from all their streaming services, more from their Foxtel, whatever it could be. They can absolutely help squeeze more out of your dollar and make sure you get a better experience as well. But today we are also announcing that they've got a great giveaway going on. And obviously Mother's Day is around the corner and maybe you haven't bought a gift, but maybe you're going to enter it into the drawer and have a little IOU present for your mum. This is interesting. Now, digital photo frames have been around for a while, but there are digital photo frames out there that you can actually send images to. Now, this is fantastic for anybody who is perhaps elderly, where they might have a whole buffet full of photos of the, of the grandkids, their kids, their wedding photos, their baby photos. You know what I'm talking about. You walk into your grandmother's house, that's what you end up seeing on their buffet. Now, this digital photo frame is actually one that you could is from home life and you can actually send photos to it meaning you can update that digital photo frame remotely so that when they wake up in the morning they might walk out to their living room or their kitchen and that photo frame is showing different images than the day before and it would cycle it goes through all of it it's valued at over 200 bucks and connect my tech is giving one away so surely you know someone who i'm talking about here who could use something like this it's that gift that keeps on giving because it's not just put in there and it's set up once and it's left alone it will evolve Every time you have an occasion, every time you want to share an extra photo with them, you just put it onto that photo frame remotely and suddenly it appears. All you have to do, this is so simple, go to connectmytech.com.au, send all entries, and I can read out the email address if you don't even have time to go to the website. You can, all you have to do to win this prize is email and tell Patrick the name of the companion app that you would use with the connected photo frame and why your lovely mother or grandmother would benefit from this technology. I'll read it again. All you have to do is email and tell Patrick the name of the companion app that you would use with the connected photo frame and why your lovely mother would benefit from this technology. The email address is info at connectmytech.com.au. It's that simple. Next week on the show, I'll announce who the winner is, and that person will have already been contacted by then, but I'll announce it publicly so you know that this was legitimate. I'll also put the link um, in the show description as well. So if you are curious, if you missed all of that, if you were driving, you didn't have a pen, um, don't worry, look into the show notes and you'll see the link to all of this as well. So you can make sure you get your entry in and do it as soon as possible. It's a really good prize and I'm happy that Connect My Tech is able to offer this to my listeners. And I encourage you to make sure you get into the draw and enter. One of you will win this, I promise. Now, if you are listening to this on Friday morning, there's a pretty good chance that you've missed my sunrise segment talking about televisions. We recorded this uh, earlier in the week, talking about all the latest televisions that are coming out to market. There is so much to choose from, and we've really had our biggest brand just make their final play at their range. Samsung already announced their 2022 range. They're already on sale, Hisense and other brands. There is so much to choose from in 2022. Every brand has brought out 30 to 40 different televisions this year. And what they're doing is something really interesting is they obviously have tiers. You don't have a brand of TV that's coming out and saying, we're going to sell five TVs. They're going to start from a thousand bucks and top out at 2000. And the only difference here is size. Size is merely a factor now. It is just one of those other considerations on top of the quality of the panel, the speakers, and the design of the television. Uh, to me, this has been incredibly different to watch over the years where 
once upon a time, it was all about size. It was, I want a Samsung TV. I want a 50-inch TV. That's the one. Now, if I was to say I would like a 65-inch TV and I want it from LG, I could get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. About 12 different TVs from LG come in 65 inches this year. Now, if that doesn't make it confusing for a buyer, I don't know what does. Effectively, you can walk into a JB Hi-Fi today and you can say, I want a 65-inch TV. And you know what? I like LG, so I'll get the LG one. They're going to say, which one do you want? And you say, I don't know. The LG one. I like LG and I like 65 inches. I would like that television. Well, come over here, sir. We've got 12 TVs you need to look at. How ridiculous is that going to be? But it's important that they're doing it for a couple of reasons. Maybe not 12. I think they could have done a little bit more condensed. But effectively, TVs from LG this year will start from $1,079. That's a 43-inch TV. And it will top out at $59,999. So $60,000 for the most expensive LG TV and just a crack over $1,000 for their cheapest. Now, at 43 inches, that's becoming a very small television. That probably is good for a small bedroom or a caravan. But the $59,000 TV is 88 inches and it's OLED. So it really is the duck's nuts of TVs, but do you really need that one? Probably not. Most people are going to be looking at the much lower tiers. Now, with LG, they're doing a very similar thing to Samsung in that they've got effectively their base model LED type televisions. Then they've got their 4K and then 8K TVs. They've got what's called QNED, which I would, I would compare that very closely with the Neo QLED from Samsung. But then LG also offers OLED TVs, which Samsung don't. So when you are comparing apples with apples, I would be going Neo QLED against QNED from LG. Why did everyone use Q? Did I have that much to do with it? Um, But at the same time, when you're factoring in these lower level televisions, their nano TVs, for example, are fascinating. So the nano TVs, you're looking at 65 inches. Again, recommended retail price. Trust me, when you go into a store, they'll be less. But a 65 inch nano 75 range. I don't know what the 75 means, but the 65 inch is $2,279. That's a pretty damn good price for a 65 inch TV today. That means a brand new, modern, up-to-date TV. This isn't 2021 stock. This is today's stock. So when you start to look at that, you start to think, actually, that's not too bad. I have been seeing a lot of encouragement towards 8K. And there is obviously a, a large range of 8K TVs. This year, the QNED 8K, which would be, again, comparable to the Samsung alternative here of the Neo QLED, their 65-inch model is 5700 so probably $5,500 when you get into a JB's. That's a pretty good price. You know, back once upon a time, $5,500 wouldn't buy you a 65-inch TV, let alone an 8K 65-inch TV. Now, I have, I'm lucky in some ways. I have a 75-inch 8K TV here. And yeah, there's not a lot of content in 8K, but the upscaling technology of 8K, especially in brands like Samsung and LG, means that it's making poorer quality content look much better on my TV um, to the point that I downgraded, and you're going you're gonna to throw stones. I downgraded my Netflix subscription from the premium one, which has access to 4K. I downgraded it to just the high definition, not standard definition, just the high definition. That means I'm watching content in full HD on an 8K television, which you would think is a bit of a dumb idea, but I haven't really noticed. I know. Have you turned off the podcast yet? I haven't really noticed. I'm saving money. I'm saving, I don't know, five bucks a month, whatever it is, which isn't the reason I was, was, was talking about it. But 
the upscaling technology in these big brands is impeccable. And when you do start to go for those cheaper brands, that's where it suffers. So I always encourage people when you are going into a store to look at televisions, to ask the salesperson to put free-to-air TV on. If they say they don't have the antenna, but it is connected to the internet, then open up 7 Plus, open up you know 9 Now, whatever it is, and stream. You can stream live television. Always do that. Watch your favorite show. Watch a rerun of something. Then look at that side by side. Look at an LG TV next to a Hisense or a, or a Sangyong Mongno TV, like a no-name brand, and then you'll see the difference and why upscaling makes a difference. It's important to do that because I can talk about stats, and every TV will actually sound like they're on the same playing field. 4K, 8K, Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision. Anyone can put these stickers onto their cardboard boxes. But it's not until you actually take it home and you start to watch the content that you think, huh, okay. So the, what I, that demo tape I saw in store made the TV look better than it actually is. And of course it does. That's what they want to do. So watch free-to-air TV if you can. And there's always going to be a way to make that work. Like I said, using an antenna or using um, streaming. If they say they don't have the internet, pull out your phone, turn on the hotspot, connect the TV to the hotspot, open up the app on the TV and start to watch it. I'm telling you, when you're spending thousands of dollars, this kind of stuff matters. Don't just watch their demo tapes because that tells you nothing. It truly tells you nothing. Now, what I will say, and I've always said this to people before, if you're looking at this new 2022 range from LG or Samsung or whoever, and you put a QNED TV next to their OLED TV, Two giant, two giants, I mean, two real sexy models from the LG range. And you're standing there going, oh my God, which one do I pick? Which one do I pick? When you take one of them home, it will look amazing because it's no longer sitting next to the other TV. And I always tell people this, that you can always try and compare TVs. You can always say, oh, that one's so much better, even though it's an extra $5,000. That one is so much better than this one. But the reality is, is that when you take one of them away, and you're only staring at one of them, it's an incredible picture. And you'll be extremely happy with it. And I don't doubt that with anybody for a second. So the LG range, super impressive. I think it's way too diluted. I think it's very difficult to navigate now. Um, I think they're kind of on this teetering side of whether they still just do 4K or they do 8K or they start to just offer only 8K TVs. I think it's getting a bit silly. I think they need to really reduce it. Like even in their OLED range, the OLED C2, for example, now has... Um, 42 inches all the way up to 83 inches, but it makes no sense because then in the OLED G2 range, it goes from 55 inches up to, what's that, 97? Nah, 83. So you start to get very confused. What am I getting? What's the difference between C2 and G2? Is it the, is it the, the design? Is it the, the width? Is it, what is it? What am I looking at here? The software on them is almost all the same. So again, Find the right fit for your budget, go into the store and haggle your ass off. Go in there and say, this is how much I want to spend. Look at the 2021 stock if you can, if there is still something left on the shelves and start to think about bundling. With all of the TVs that we have been talking about, always, please, always consider budget for a soundbar. I couldn't recommend this high enough to people that if you're interested in a new television this year, they're so thin, they're so sexy. They have lost so much weight since last year that without a soundbar, you may not get the best experience that you deserve. You'll have the best picture. You'll have the best picture in the, in the street. But if it sounds crap, I'm telling you, it just changes the experience completely. I've been lucky that I've been testing a number of soundbars recently and I've really started to understand the difference a good soundbar can make. And good grief, it makes a massive difference. So again, if, you're, if you've got a $5,000 budget to upgrade your living room experience this year, 
spend four on TV, spend a thousand on the soundbar, or even or even more if you can on audio. I, I usually put a marker of around 20 to 30% of the TV purchase price towards audio. And again, think about audio systems that you can expand. You might only be comfortable investing in just the soundbar at the time of purchase. But if later on you want to add a subwoofer or rear speakers, it's good to know that you can potentially do that if that does come up. So lots to consider in this space. Go to literally any tech website at the moment for the full LG um, price list. I'm reading channelnews.com.au at the moment to get my price list that's in front of me. And ladies and gentlemen, it's a confusing list. But if you start to look at the context, start looking at the models specifically, their strengths and their weaknesses, a lot of it comes down to design. There is some elements of picture quality. The last thing I will quickly say before we move on to the next topic is um, I have a lot of people calling me on the radio asking, should I get OLED or QLED? Now, QLED being Samsung, OLED being LG. Um, I always answer this very simply. Home theater, and if, let's assume the pricing is the same, to be clear. Home theater, OLED. Living room, QLED. Why? Brightness. I've always found, and I could be proven wrong with the 2022 range, but I've always found that Samsung QLED TVs perform better with, when there's direct sunlight in the room, whereas OLED TVs, unfortunately, are dimmer. They produce better blacks, they produce better color, but they don't have the same brightness that a QLED TV has, which is why a home theater is a perfect place for an OLED television. It's a dark room, not going to be interrupted by sunlight or glare or anything like that. Whereas QLED is that everyday TV, windows are open, who cares? We're just watching whatever. Um, it's still going to look good when the lights are off as well, don't get me wrong, but it may actually appear too bright in a home theater and it may not have the best representation of color that an OLED TV does. Okay, again, I haven't put both of them side by side in a room. That's very, very hard to make happen. But from my experience, OLED performs better in a darker room. QLED performs better in a brighter room. Now, after this, we're going to talk about me riding an electric dirt bike and potentially killing myself in the very near future. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty excited to talk about this. Uh, I have recently moved to a acreage, I guess you call it an acreage. 15 acres is where I is what I live on at the moment, and. Look, a lot of it is flood affected. We were impacted by the floods, but the house wasn't. But we have a lot of land that I can just do whatever with. And it's been a lot of fun in some ways because it's meant that I can potentially review products that I couldn't review where I lived before. And we've started to take advantage of that. The first product is sent, has been sent to me from a company called Panmi, P-A-N-M-I. And uh, they have sent me a off-road electric bike. I should say it's an electric motorbike. It's called the Suron, S-U-R-R-O-N, Storm B. Now, the name itself is scary enough. It sounds like a Lord of the Rings um, character, but this motorbike, I was like, here's the story. They emailed me and said, we've got the new scooter, which I talked about, the GT1 from Segway. Would you like to review it? I said, you know what? Going 70 kilometers an hour on the road on a scooter does sound a little bit dicey, but I don't know what I can do with that. I've reviewed e-scooters before, but what I can do something with potentially is an e-bike. And I said, why don't you guys send me one of your um, electric motorbikes? And sure enough, a truck turned up and unloaded the Suron Storm B. Um, it's an off-road motorbike. It's got very knobby tires. Uh, it looks legitimately like something I would take on the Dakar rally. And they unwheeled this thing off the, off the truck Left it in front of me, and I was 
mortified in some ways because it's so much bigger than I thought it was going to be. It's not the size of my mountain bike. It's so much bigger than that. Um, it's it's a legitimate off-road motorbike. I've I've never ridden off-road on a motorbike in my life. I've never ridden a motorbike. I don't think I ever have. I'm pretty sure I've never have until this week. And how's, how's a way to start my experience than with an electric one? So I've seen people ride motorbikes. I like watching it. Um, I haven't really straddled a motorbike before and ridden it. Now, to give you some context about this electric motorbike, um, it can do 105 kilometers of range. So you can drive some distance with this. The battery on this thing is 90 volt, 48 um, amp hours. It's a big battery. It's a beast. Um, the whole bike itself weighs like 100 kilos. It's really heavy. Where's the data on this? It weighs a lot. It weighs 95, sorry, curb weight, 127 kilos. This thing is heavier than me. So moving this thing around, especially when it's not even turned on, it's like dragging mates out of a pub. Like it is so, so heavy. But fortunately, the reason it's so heavy is because of the size of the crazy battery that's in there. Now the battery has got, <laughs> it, I mean, it translates into 22.5 kilowatts of power, 520 newton meters of torque, 520 Newton meters of torque. This is coming out of the back wheel of a motorbike. Uh, top speed, 100, 110 kilometers per hour. Um, I think zero to 80 was like three seconds on a motorbike that I'm supposed to be riding on my paddock. And I'm not a trained rider. So I get this thing and I wheel it down to the shed because it's a monster of a thing. I haven't even figured out how to get onto it yet. Um, and I wheel it in, I put it on charge, and it's just, it, it, it starts to blow my mind straight away because I realize no petrol tank. There's a lot less here. There's not even a big exhaust pipe sticking out the back. It's just a totally different concept of a motorbike. But everything else is there. It's got the heavy duty springs. It's got the big knobby tires. It's got disc brakes. It's got the big handlebars. It's legit. It even has the pullback little handlebar thing to accelerate instead of a little button like you find on the knee scooter. So it's, a, it's the real thing just with a different motor. And after charging it, I jump on the bike and you turn a key, which feels weird in itself, and it just lights the dashboard up. Um, and then you flick another switch. There's like a secondary switch to turn the thing on. I guess it's to confirm that you're about to go crazy. Um, you turn it on, and that's it. It's ready to go. What makes it more interesting, because it's electric, is you've actually got forward and reverse gear. Um, most motorbikes don't have a reverse gear. And it's good, because at this thing weighing 127 kilos, it's good to know that I can reverse it instead of trying and drag this thing backwards. Um, my first ride was actually on the road. I probably shouldn't have, but it was on the road because my paddocks are wet. My paddocks are wet, guys. And I took it out, and this thing is just ridiculously fast. There's three modes. There's eco, there's rain, there's sport, and then there's a turbo button. I ain't pushing that button. I had an eco mode, and this thing, I'm telling you, you can't pull this thing back too quick, too fast, because you will fall off the back of that bike so fast, it's ridiculous. So I was taking this thing for a putt around. It's not completely silent. I think it makes some sound by itself. I'm pretty sure where the exhaust is, and I need to double check this, but where the exhaust is, it looks like a loudspeaker. Um, and I think that this thing is producing artificial sound, uh, I guess, for so that wild animals run away from you as you're approaching them in the bush or that people on the road uh, notice that you're coming and they get away. I don't know what it is. I would prefer it to be completely silent or at least to have to choose what kind of sound it makes. It sounds a bit more like a motorbike should. I'd rather it sound more like a Tron motorcycle. But I took this for a quick spin, blew my mind. Uh, I then returned home later and then yesterday I put a helmet on and some shoes and then actually went for a ride down the paddock. Paddocks are wet. And this thing, I, I probably should have known this, but you get dirty. You get dirty riding in the mud. 
get very dirty riding in the mud with real knobby tires. And uh, this was just a lot of fun. Um, eventually, when I found some dry land, wow, what a, what a difference. I mean, obviously, driving on road compared to dirt is a different experience in itself. But these tires are meant for the dirt, and it performed better. And it was much more easier to ride and more enjoyable. I'm not a pro rider. I'm not an experienced rider. I'm not pushing this thing to its full capabilities, but it is so much fun. And I love, I love the fact that when I brought it back to the shed, I just plugged it back in. Not that it needed a recharge, but I love the idea of being able to ride on a, if you had a farm, I'd ride on a farm without potentially disturbing the neighbors because it won't be so noisy, without worrying about petrol, without really worrying about much because you flick the switch and turn the, turn the handlebar and it goes. There's no skill required. So if a dummy like me can get onto it, there's no gears to change. There's nothing. There's nothing. You just turn the thing and it starts moving. Uh, the only caveat here is that it's extremely powerful. And if you're not prepared, it will kick you off like a rodeo horse. It is just wild. So if you're interested in one, and we're going to talk about this a bit further because I do want to explore the bike more. There is a whole dashboard that I haven't actually started playing with yet. I do hope that I can actually change the sound of this bike. Um, I want to try and tinker with it a little bit more. But if you want one, if you don't want to wait for, my, for me to talk about this further, they start from $12,999. And I know that is a lot more expensive than a traditional dirt bike. I get it. But this thing is like, it's the future. It's the future of bikes. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that farmers in the future will be riding electric motorbikes. Based on my experience so far, it's probably just as heavy as a normal dirt bike. Yet there's no emissions. There's potentially a lot less noise. And the running costs are probably significantly less too. However, the purchase price is very high. It's going to be an interesting space to watch. I'm fascinated with it. I've got so much more testing to do. I realized there was a USB port on it today. Um, I'm going to plug my phone in there and, I don't know, find a cradle to put on the handlebars. I'll probably find a way to record some of the stuff that I'm doing on the bike, which is just me putting around trying not to fall off it. But I might wear the Ray-Ban stories and record some clips. Uh, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you are missing out on where I share a lot of my images and a lot of my stories around this kind of stuff that I, ha that I do test. So do make sure you follow me on Instagram for the full rounddown of this. Um, ask me questions through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook uh, about this or anything that we've spoken about on the show, and I'll make sure I get back to you. Again, make sure you enter into this digital photo frame um, competition. I do think it's worth your while. If you have someone in your life who you care about but never get a chance to see as often as you should, is the kind of product that you need to get them. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And for the first time, we're actually even streaming this live. I opened up a window somewhere on my computer and I assume it's working. And I'm assuming that they can hear what I'm talking about or rattling on about. So we've recorded this live and streamed it live at the same time. Um, I didn't plan for that. I just wanted to see if it would work and actually see if the audio comes through on both channels. So we'll see. We'll see how it works. If you're interested in watching the video, I'll probably delete it. But if you're interested in actually seeing me live stream the podcast more often, do it more like, I don't know, Fighter and the Kid, do it more like a Joe Rogan type um, podcast where it actually is something you can watch. Let me know. Let me know if you're interested. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. I'll speak to you again next week. Bye-bye.